Welcome to Australians Abandoned, the podcast where we share the stories of Australians stuck overseas and in this case, within the country during the pandemic. I'm Bray, and when I go back to Australia, um, I don't know. I, After listening to this episode, I feel like I'm going to have to be spending some time sharing the very real trauma I've experienced from being stuck outside the country. I'm back, and when I go back to Australia, I'm going to try to keep my shit together, man. <laughs> and on today's episode, we speak to Christina, an Australian who recently escaped the border closures to relocate to Europe with her children. Christina's family was split in half when the border closures were put in place. Her husband, a dual citizen of America, was in the States with his two children, while Christina was stuck in Brisbane with her four children. After multiple travel exemptions were rejected, Christina was desperate to reunite her family. She became vocal about her experience on national TV and radio and received horrible backlash, even death threats, from the Australian community. Finally, the family had no choice but to relocate outside of Australia, but the struggle isn't over. They now live with the trauma of more than 18 months separated, a move away from Christina's parents, and a beloved family pet left behind. Christina says her view of Australia has been altered forever. Yeah, thanks for being here. Could you maybe just give a brief history of where you kind of, the position you found yourself in um, when the board is closed? Right, so um, we have been for many years living, I guess, a bit of an unusual life. And, um, you know, this has been one of my points sort of all along that it's not, people's lives are very different. Um, I think we all wanted to be, uh, well, you know, the government wanted to compartmentalise everybody into people who were out there on a trip to Bali, time to come home, not that they said that, but they they just, they put us into this box of if you're overseas, it must be because you're traveling on a holiday or because you live over there, in which case you'll be fine. Like pick a spot basically to hunker down. Mm. But the reality is that there are so many different levels of complexities in families, like people working, people with kids, people who were abroad because they had a sick person, uh, or in our case, people who live in two countries, actually live in two countries. Um, and uh, the, the reason is because my husband, he's a dual citizen and he was, um, has always been based out of the US because he's got two boys there, two young children. And mm-hmm. I've always been based out of Australia because I've got four. So together we have six boys and we, we like all of them. So we didn't want to abandon anybody <laughs> when we got together. Instead, we made a commitment to travel back and forth. So literally once a month, I would go to the States or Matt would come to Australia. And this was the dynamic of how we kept our family together, traveling back and forth. Um, So we don't fit into a neat little box, you know, and I think there's, there's thousands of people like us that work internationally or have to live across two countries. So when the borders shut, uh, initially I was in absolute denial. I think we all were, where I just thought this this can't last. Like there's people like us that that matter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, 
And then the panic really began to set in because we realised that we our family might be broken in half and that is literally what happened. Um, you know, it became... Um, it became a uh, incredibly difficult obstacle course to try and get the approvals to just to see each other, um, for the kids to see their brothers, for my husband and I to have the right to be together. And I think the biggest slap in the face came with our first application. I think in the end we applied 18 times before we had our first ap- approval. Um oh and I think what the hardest part was is that each time, each rejection basically said, you, on behalf of the government, your family doesn't matter. It's not urgent enough. It's not important enough. Um, your situation doesn't matter. And, and that was a real, that's something I think I'm not over, you know, I'm not over that. And it's so hard because, oh, I mean, my understanding was that, like, you're an Australian citizen, so you're partner under the rules should be allowed to come into the country that's what I don't understand yeah but I've I've heard these stories over and over again that 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 is the law as it's written down but that's in process not as what not what is occurring exactly and you know in theory he could have come um and he did like the first uh, I think the first time it was Matt who came out in theory but he also was having issues uh, on flight cancellations, on flight caps, the quarantine costs. So you, you put out, a, a, in theory, you can come home. Then in practice, uh, by the way, it's going to cost you ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 and you're going to lose two weeks of that, which he mm. couldn't afford with his work and his kids. And, um, and all these other, by the way, by the ways, oh, good luck getting a flight. So, you know, in theory, it's good. In practice they made sure it became impossible for even Aussie citizens to come home. Mm -hmm. And what ramifications did it have on, you know, your family to be separated so long? You know, is there examples that you can think of with the kids or with you and your relationship where you thought, oh, God, what what is happening here? You know, even as you say that, like, I think I'm over it, but I'm not. Um, Mm -hmm. Even as you say that, I get just anxiety in my throat because – um, I'm sure I have some kind of PTSD from this, mm. living for almost two years with the constant question mark, the constant stress of I wonder when we'll see each other again. I wonder when my boys will see their brothers. I wonder when. Mm. Um, that was just so incredibly stressful to not have um, an end game and um, that's been a big issue, you know. We felt that we made a willing sacrifice, well, not willing and imposed sacrifice, but initially we were willing to do it to keep our parents safe and we thought, okay, we'll, we'll wear this. We will wear the separation just until they put things in place. And then it soon became clear that they weren't putting things in place. There was just this endless game and and as time went on, the stress just increased, just mm. continued to increase. And I look back now and realise, um, you know, I was crying every day. I was writing to people every day. Everything was just a dead end, you know, flights being constantly cancelled. I mean, I couldn't go to my emails without just this gut-wrenching stress. Is it a, is it a flight cancellation? 
Uh, is is it some other announcement that they're now shutting down the numbers further? You know, you couldn't go to Facebook or your emails or the media without this constant ongoing stress. Is my family going to survive this? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people didn't. I know so many cross-country couples because I'm part of, you know, these groups mm. who, who split up, like their families didn't even survive this level of stress. And I get it. I get it. Mm. Quite often when I speak to Australians, they never say this outright, but I do see this outright on social media. But the sense I get is like, yeah, but don't you want us to not die of COVID? And it's mm. like, of course. And of like, you know, and at the start, I was really like, look at Australia doing the right thing and really doing well with COVID. And I was willing to take a few months right. and be locked out for a while. Mm. But there was just, the government didn't do anything after that. Yeah. Yeah, they squandered a geographical advantage. Like they patted themselves mm. on the back. And I always said, it's too early to pat yourself on the back. Pat yourself on the back when you've come out the other end and you've somehow dealt with the fact that this is part of the world. Um, mm. They didn't turn Australia into an island. It was already an island. All you did was block things off. Like that's that's pretty standard, pretty straightforward. They had an advantage, which they squandered. They could have... Um, use the time to prepare a better quarantine, to put in a uh, different trials, which I'm amazed only started a few months ago for home quarantine, um, to get the vaccine rollout, you know, la da la. Um, We have been on the receiving end. I guess I was quite public. um, And uh, so I was outrightly told, you know, your family's a threat to us. I would go on, uh, you know, I've been on radio, I've been on TV, newspapers, with my intention to not let Australia forget, you know, that Mm. we're stuck. Um, P.S. Okay, good that your gym open. I haven't seen my husband in months. You know, Mm. good that your gym open. My kids need to see their brothers. And so I was kind of trying to continue to bring this awareness and, um, Every single time we were directly uh, targeted, you know, we even had things like death threats. Um, well, and, and yeah, the irony was like I remember one guy saying, "Well, you and your family can just get out," and I and I thought, "No shit, that's what we're <laughs> trying to do, man." <laughs> like, do you understand that that's not even an option? we want to go, you know, but just like, you know, good riddance. Like we couldn't get rid of you soon enough. It's like, yeah, please show me how. (laughs) That's the point. Yeah. I've seen that a few times. It's like when Australians get so uh, racist that they tell like Australian citizens to go back to where they came from. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Look, it's, it's been surprising. I just always thought Australia was so inclusive. Um, I am an immigrant to Australia. When I was 10, we came here um as uh, as refugees of El Salvador during the civil war and mm. called Australia my home really thought that Australia was the place with open arms and um <clears throat> interesting that we've now had to immigrate somewhere else to seek refuge from Australia is what yeah. it feels like wow so yeah tell us where you are now and also uh when it kind of became the crunch time for you where you're like enough is enough yeah I mean, enough was enough from from the beginning. It just accumulated from there. You know, the stress Mm. continued. 
um, my husband ended up having to do quarantine, um, uh, I don't know, a lot of times, like I think five or six times. Um, it was the only way we could continue to see each other, um, yeah, you know. So we were the lucky ones because he had the dual citizenship but, you know, it had an impact on, on our finances severely. It had an impact on his work. It had an impact on the kids. Um, and, you know, there were some really, really long stretches in there where we didn't see each other and it was really hard. Um, and I think when um, it was a time when the second goalpost was changed, you know how they said, oh, it'll be October or no, it'll be Christmas and it'll be and then just thought, yeah, we're, we're done here. It's mm. like um, there's absolutely no plan. And um, I really realised that even if, and this is awful to say, but even if they announced now that Australia could be open, I questioned whether it was a place I wanted to raise my kids now. Mm. It's not the Australia I believed in. Um, I've seen racism in, in an incredible, uh, I've seen division in an incredible way. We've never felt so isolated, so despised. Um, so vilified, um, I, I don't, I think it'll take me a while to, to feel connected to Australia. Mm, I, yeah, I feel yeah. this too. I don't know whether you've seen, cause you've also just gone out of bed, but overnight New South Wales premiers announced mm, that he's lifting no quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, I'm not from New South Wales, so it's a bit like Whatever. but um it's like um when you're from Queensland it's still like well, well. yeah whatever um, but I'm like okay that's a good thing and you know it gives me hope mm. but also at the same time I'm getting these feelings where I'm kind of like don't want it to open up again because I don't mm. want to go back yeah. yeah like I want to go back but I also I just am so confused about my feelings about this and then yeah. part of myself starts to be really negative and like are you just looking for something to whinge about and I'm like no I don't think that's the case I think that I really just don't know what my relationship with Australia is going to be and whether I'm just going mm. to be able to have the difficult conversations and the reckoning that needs to occur with the people that mm. are there. Right. Yeah. It's like a it's like an abusive relationship and so your boyfriend slapped you around but now he wants you back. It's like it's not, I just, I don't know, you know, I am, um, when we did come back to Australia, um, we found I had to basically lie that I'd been overseas because it's almost like you're radioactive. Um, you know, it's a very confusing. I mean, people called us selfish when um, we decided to move overseas. Um, I was told I was a bad parent, taking my children out of the safety of Australia. It's, it's incredible to me oh. that there's no value given to the mental health issues uh, there's no value to a family that could be reunited for some people. They're that scared of the virus. It's become the only thing that is a threat. Just to go back a little bit, what was the exemption application process like? Because I think for people like um, Beck and I right now, we if we travel back, then we need to apply for an exemption to leave. And a lot of people are saying they're applying for exemptions multiple times. What is the process of this? How long did you have to wait to get an answer? Like, what is this process? Look, it's it's a shitstorm. Like, there's absolutely no other way to put it um, because there isn't anything, any consistency to it. 
So when I say I applied multiple times, many, many of my applications were exactly the same and I've had the same application rejected and the same application approved. Um, so it really depends on what, you know, what Johnny feels like on the day of opening it. Um, and I think the toughest part is that there's absolutely no feedback. So you can write in and say, my mum's dying. She has no one. Um, you know, I'm it. I'm emotionally thingo falling apart. I've got 10 psychologist reports and they'll reject it. And you think, is it the length of time I'm going? Is it my finances? Because I'll fix that. I'll go for longer. I'll find more money. Or is my mum just not important? Like they, there isn't any feedback uh, mm. process to rejection. And I think they're not aware of, um, you know, what those rejections are, are, what the ramifications are of being rejected. Um, we, I'm a bit of a bulldog, so I just kept applying, kept applying, but I know a lot of people that just couldn't even deal with the rejection. It's mm. a really, really hard process to go through. And it keeps changing. Thing, the rules keep changing. It's impossible to navigate. Yeah. I think that's part of, like, the psychological um, fuckery yeah. to le- that makes up this whole thing is that there's no nothing we can rely on that's consistent oh. and nothing that we can trust in, no decisions that are made, no plan in place. And so it's just kind of so flute. The goalposts move all the time. Let me go So I didn't answer your question before you said where we are. We're in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're in. We've moved. Um, So we decided to move to Europe. Um, Ideally, I'd love to live in the USA, obviously, you know, with my husband and our kids. But we basically had to be anywhere outside of the Australian borders, just anywhere. Um, Mm. And it's quite complex. But the reason I'd never been able to leave Australia was because they have their own uh, father, their own biological father. And mm. so I had to talk him into moving out of Australia also. Wow. And so my ex-husband has also moved and the only sort of, he's British. So he was like, if we, if yes, I get it. He was disgusted with what Australia had done also and agreed that it was no longer a place to raise our kids, but he wanted to be in wow. Europe. And so I said, I'll go anywhere. As long as I can get on a plane and go in and out of the US. So we're living in France. Um, And, you know, yes, it sounds exciting because the south of France is beautiful and the kids are in a great school and we love it. But the real cost is that we've had to leave our grandparents behind. We don't know when we'll see them again. Uh, We had to leave our houses. We had to sell everything. The kids had to be ripped out of school that they loved you know, say goodbye to their friends, not sure when we'll see them again. Um, I had to say goodbye to my dog. Oh. Can't even talk about that because, like, I miss my mum, but my dog. <laughs> yeah. We had to give away my dog. Anyway, and this is all because of these assholes, you know. Um, yeah. So we'll make the best of it because it's what we always do. But, um, yeah, we had to change the whole entire course of our life. Mm-hmm. just to survive that is it's so unacceptable and I'm so it's, sorry oh, <laughs> it's I funny know. my dog gets me worse than anything. no I totally I totally I get, get that. that I yeah I have a dog in Australia and it 
it's a very painful topic for me I know (laughs) when you told me that you'd moved to Europe yeah I was just I was shocked because I we know what it is to move to another country we know how big that Mm. is but we don't have anything (laughs) yeah we didn't have a house or kids I cannot imagine like how big that decision was and and what you've had to do to get there and I I think like anyone who thinks that you've just oh you've moved to France yeah are totally kidding yeah absolutely we had no option but to leave permanently um because you know when you say oh that we made a decision we totally were bullied into having to make a decision by Australia Mm. um right now we couldn't we couldn't, uh, you know, they changed the rules. So if you'd already been in and out of the country, you basically couldn't do that anymore. So my husband right now, as things stand in Queensland, he wouldn't be able to come home and I still wouldn't be able to leave. We would just be in a limbo. Um, It became incredibly stressful. Um, You know, another sort of layer on top of this was um, that we are trying to have a baby and um, I'm 42, you know, so, you know, mm. TikTok. And there was just no deadline um, on this with Australia. And <clears throat> we realised if we didn't do something, um, the Australian border closures would probably cost us the chance to have a child. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many things that they don't, the government has not factored into, yeah. you know, what is the real cost of the border closures? It's a long list and they haven't even mm. begun to, you know, to account for it. They haven't even tried to quantify it. Yeah. No. Not even remotely. No. Um, no. It's so interesting, like the fertility treatment thing, my situation is not as pressing as yours, but I was, I froze my eggs during the pandemic. Right. Um, and it's something that I was thinking about for a long time, but I was always like, should I do it in Australia? Should I yeah. do it here? Should I? And then when the borders closed, I was like, well, looks like I'm doing it here. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now yeah. that's like something that's kind of factored into the future of my life. Like yeah. if I want to use those eggs, if I want to have a baby by myself through IVF, like it will probably be in Germany. I know. I know. And right now if we, you know, are successful and have a baby, there is a huge question mark as to when that child will meet its grandparents. Like we're just, there's a cost either way. We didn't get mm. rid of the problem when we moved. We just decided to live with different problems. There, there's mm. there's a continued ongoing cost to this. Yeah. So we're talking now about, you've already talked a little bit about this, but New South Wales opening up to citizens and PR. So it looks like there is some movement. I mean, mm. that's what... Uh, do you think you'll end up regretting your decision if if it's you know in three months time the whole thing is open? No, not at all, because it really is a greater a greater problem. Um, mm. I thought we were Australians, and then um, I realised that the rest of the world had its arms open to us, and our own country didn't. So it's it's gone now beyond a logistical nightmare, and it's become. I feel like we've had a an emotional, a psychological assault by our own country. It meant nothing to be a citizen. So will I regret it? Uh, No, because I want to live in a place that can't turn its back on me tomorrow. And because they've done this now, it's like 
it's like Game of Thrones. Well, what will they do next? Everything, mm. you know, any, yeah. anything can happen now. Cool. Yeah. We, we survived the pandemic. What if the numbers rise? They'll close the country again. What if something, what if there's a new virus? See you later. Like, I don't want to live uh, on eggshells. So, yeah. Yeah. Australia's changed forever now. Yeah. You're really reflecting and putting so much more articulately so many thoughts that I've had. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it just feels like there is no safety in an Australian citizenship. No. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Like nothing and, and it always felt like there was. Yeah. I always felt so proud that I had an Australian passport whenever I went to different parts of the world and I was like, Australian passport, oh, welcomed in. It gave me so much, um, well, it opened so many doors yeah. up for me yeah. in the world and this whole experience has just been so confusing and so heartbreaking because it's just throwing that all back in my face and I like Beck and I have kind of experienced it here that Germany has has given us a refuge and a place mm. to stay during this time that Australia would not not have you know like I well speaking personally like I've been allowed to marry a German here get a passport get residency here mm. for a mere hundreds of euros mm. It's been the process was so simple. I was financially supported last year when I lost all my work as a freelancer because of the lockdown. And I just don't I, I receive none of that from Australia. No. And my husband would receive none of that if we were to move back. And so hearing you talk is just really reiterating to me that what I'm feeling is not just in my head. And <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, like maybe because because we've talked about this a lot throughout the podcast episodes of like, I always dream to one day go back to Australia mm. and have my little family by the coast, and this whole experience has really changed that for me. I don't know if I want to go yeah. back there. Isn't, yeah, and, and look, that's hard. Yeah, and Australians would say, "Good, you know, stay out." That's their attitude, and uh, and <sighs> the, it's it's really confronting. But now it's uh, uh, become you know, it goes beyond that. Maybe I don't want to raise my kids there, but if I still hold this magical Australian passport, we should be able to come home and, and see the grandparents. I should yes. be able to have the choice to come home if things were to change. Um, my parents should be able to come and see me, you know, mm. but there's, it's, it's a worthless piece of paper, that passport right now. And, um, and it's a and it can become worthless again at any minute. I think that's the crazy thing. We've seen Australia do something unfathomable for a democracy. It's impossible that that Germany would close its borders to Germans, no. that the that Britain would close its borders to the British, that America would make it impossible for Americans to come home. It's it's just you couldn't see it ever happening mm. and Australia's mm. done it and they haven't really even apologised for it. No. They haven't. No, they, yeah, <laughs> they think they're totally in the right. And they haven't quantified like... it and, and to see just how tone deaf um, our Prime Minister has been, you know, to, to put out posts during this time about, oh, I missed Father's Day or, you know, oh. like, or, oh, it's my birthday, you know, took a quick trip home. It's like, dude, are you... Are you like are you even real right now putting this stuff mm. out to the media? It really shows 
there's no clue what mm-hmm. uh, now that the borders are open I predict there will be a massive exodus of people like that will be done we'll, we'll wash their hands off this country I hate yeah. to say it but I think it will be the case yes yeah. what are your feelings I mean you've described it a little bit but maybe I'll just ask you again in case you want to put it differently. <laughs> what are your feelings first to other Australians at the moment, but also to, and then secondly, to the government? What are the adjectives you'd use? Oh, geez. <laughs> okay. Well, look, to other Australians, um, I guess I would just say open your eyes. You know, um, the the rest of the world has been constantly portrayed as a, a zombie apocalypse pretty much. You know, the rest of the world has been getting on with it. So I would say to the rest of Australia, wake up and secondly, don't forget us. Um, Mm -hmm. There has been um, one in three Australians have roots overseas or were born overseas, have connections currently overseas and we matter Um, Mm -hmm. and we are out there for some kind of recognition that thanks to broken families and people who didn't say goodbye to their loved ones and parents who couldn't hug their kids, you are safe. So you're welcome, you know, to my Mm. family sacrifice, Mm. to your family sacrifices, at least fucking acknowledge what we've done to keep you safe, please, you know. Um, So that would be my message to Aussies and and to the government, my God, Um, who who really knows. I think it's been a real um, pissing contest of, you know, who can keep their state the safest. Uh, and they've been counting only one uh, number, and that's the COVID number. They didn't count the businesses that went down. They didn't count the families that split up. They didn't count the people that died alone. They didn't count the marriages that are broken. They didn't count the people who will have an ongoing effect just because you're opening the borders now doesn't mean that people will not live with a lifetime penalty for what's happened. This has been mm. a crime um, mm. because the main issue we've had all along is that there were other options, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There were other options because every other democracy in the world, even, even countries like New Zealand and Taiwan and Singapore have kept their citizens safe, did not impose the restrictions Australia did. So to the government, you had a choice to do it better and you didn't. Yeah, and I think that this is something I want to get across to Australians, but I don't know if they'll ever believe it. But I don't, I didn't, personally, I don't want Australia to have acted like the US or no. Europe did. I, do, I don't want that. But I do not believe it was an either-or situation. Exactly. I do not believe it was keeping Australia safe and keeping hundreds of thousands of us or however many of us, we don't know because no one will fucking count us, um, <laughs> overseas for 18 months without any help. Yeah. It wasn't, it was never a choice between the two. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a huge point. Every time I went, you know, on TV or anything, I'd got the messages I'd get where, well, do you want us to be the US? No, but could we be Singapore? You know, like, no, but could we be New Zealand where you could actually leave? You A New Zealander has always been able to get out, you know, mm-hmm. restrictions coming back, fair enough, quarantine. But if you in a desperate situation, you could go. Um, there's been, yeah, a, a real like, um, yeah, it's a really 
sort of black and white narrative of if we if we don't put these hard measures in, then millions of people will die. And that's just not the truth. Mm. Uh, you've already talked about the response you've received from Australians, but why do you think that they have these views? I think largely it's been a um, a media, Australia's created its own problem right now. The media has driven a whole um we're keeping you safe, daddy's keeping you safe, kids, narrative about, you know, and like recycling the same images out of New York and India. And meanwhile, you know, 90% of America is not living like that. And mm-hmm. um, and so a lot of Aussies, I think, have just kind of eaten it up and, um, and they haven't thought to think beyond that, you know. Um, so... I think sadly uh, Aussies um, have drunk the propaganda um, and what hasn't been publicised uh, un- unless through, you know, podcasts and um, and things like what you girls are doing, what hasn't been largely publicised has been our stories or the other side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where do you see the stories? You see them in Facebook groups and in, you know, where it's where it's us you know, being able to vent, mm. but I think the average Aussie just doesn't care. I've been amazed even deep into the pandemic that people would say to us, why don't you just leave? Like even the, the well-meaning ones, you know, why don't you just leave? It's like, oh, dude, are you aware there's a ban? And and I honestly would have people say, really? Like a year into it. So they've mm. kept things real nice and quiet. And meanwhile, the media has been just fueled with the horror of the rest of the world. And I think Australians have just believed it. I used to be a journalist in Australia, but I also will never stick up for Australian media, mostly as a whole. It's a complete shit show. But I'm sorry, if after a year you're not aware of the border things, to a certain extent, yeah, you are not engaging. No. Yeah. And like it, at that point, like, I don't know if it matters what the media does. No, you're right. You're right. You don't want to be a part of it. And I've care. also seen, I mean, I don't really engage with Murdoch Press and that's maybe why, but The Guardian, ABC, the stories are short, but they have tried to have always someone who's like, I've been stuck in the UK yeah, this yeah. amount of time. Yeah, it's true. And, and it's like, well, it's not that the stories aren't out there. It's like, feels like people don't care. They don't care. You're right. I think that's what makes me um, nervous to go back because it's that type of attitude that of that like island mentality, we're safe here, doesn't really matter what's happening anywhere else. Um, I <laughs> to go back to that, I'm, I'm just very nervous about what that's going to mean and what that's gonna how that's gonna affect me as someone who's going back with a lot of trauma of not being able to see my family for nearly two years and not being able to go home to go back and kind of maybe catch up with friends and then have no idea like, oh, you weren't able to come back. Oh no, I know. I think it's, it's, like- it's a slap in the face. It's going to be so damaging, I, I think, think. you'd also be, um, like, shocked by how over-regulated uh, and policed Australia has become. And I've been surprised at how Aussies have eaten it. I'd always thought the Aussie was a free thinker and a free spirit. And, and you know, you because uh, we, we were only there, for, you know, a couple of months ago and, and sort of go to Coles and whilst there's a case in Queensland, you know, and... and People are like, well, people are policing each other. You know, did you check in? 
into Coles, like, oh, yeah, okay, shit, you know. And so here we are all masked up, checking in, and literally Aussies dobbing in other Aussies. And, like, the threat was, like, one lady in Townsville or something, you know. And uh, here I am in Brisbane being told by a fellow shopper um, to, 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 you know, definitely scan myself. It's like, wow, like, the fear is out of control. Mm. The fear is, is huge. Yeah, I'm actually not surprised by that. I mean, Germans always have this sh- shame and dark humor about themselves as like policing each other. Yeah, and I'm like, yes, dude, this yes. is, it's nothing. Yes. It's nothing in Germany compared to Australia. Yeah. I just didn't expect and it. When the restrictions kind of came in and everyone was really abiding by them, Europeans would be like, but why are they fine with this? Another yeah. time I was like, is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. I'm like, oh, Australia is. I would always explain it as like Australia is a country of 25 million cops. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I see this as like, what were you saying before? Oh, like the whole, we will shut off and protect ourselves. And a lot of people have been surprised by this, but I actually see this as kind of, um, this was, this is a process that has actually been happening since the beginning of Australia. That is now just like, this is the effect of it at this particular time. But I think it's always been there. Mm. Mm. Look, I, I have a lot of friends, um, as you guys would as well, overseas that have always looked to Australia as this, this land of the free, you know. And, mm. um, um, and I have a lot of shame uh, when people go, oh, where are you from, Australian? And, and, you know, you used to just be so proud of that. And you know now what's coming next. People go, oh, God, what has happened to Australia? Mm. They go, you're Australian. I'm sorry. How are your people yeah. taking this? Is it still shut? Like, like it's always a disbelief that, yeah. that this has happened. Um, and the values that we thought Australia stood for, it, it, the, everything has to be redefined now of how we think about it. I I can't believe um, that Australia has gone down this ultra policed, ultra obedient, uh, don't don't question anything, and I think it will cost them long term in terms of its uh, international reputation. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. for us in like Western Europe, maybe it's different in the UK. Like people still aren't that really like ahead, like on it, and they might have heard that Australia is closed, but they don't really, really? know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, and like. Yeah, it's not that big a thing. But, I mean, sometimes people who are hip to it will bring up refugee stuff or climate stuff when mm. I say I'm Australian, as they should. Mm. But I still mm-hmm. quite often get the thing of, like, why are you here? Australia seems like a paradise. Mm. And it's, like, kind of my mission. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'm treasonous. But every time someone says that, I'm like, you don't fucking know. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even before this, I'm like, this is how we're shit. This yeah. is how we're shit. Yeah. This is how we're shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to keep these stories alive and yeah. it's important that Australia isn't allowed to get away with it in a way. They're still mm-hmm. congratulating themselves about how well, you know, pat on the back, we handled the pandemic um, and it's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of shouldn't <sighs> be allowed to get away with it, I was up this morning journaling about how when I saw the borders opening, like we're going to have to have – I say going to have to, but Australia is not good at doing these things traditionally. I hope for the sake of the country, we have a reckoning when everyone is home. 
I hope for the sake of everyone's individual families. I hope for the sake of the unity of the country that, because we're going to have to be sitting there at Christmas or Easter fucking dinners and looking around and being like, you sacrificed us to the wilderness, Mm. you know? Yeah. And I, I want to keep doing this podcast. Maybe no one will listen, but I hope they do. I want to keep doing this podcast once everyone's home. I still want to hear stories and I want to hear the effects. And Mm. yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of doing the call out. I hope that you do that too, Christina. (laughs) I will. And that's why I didn't hesitate to jump on, you know, when Bray reached out because uh, I'm, I don't want it to be thought that, oh, the borders are open and, and even the compassionate people go, oh, that's good. That's your problem over. No, man, we have this ripple effect. So many people will live with a ripple effect of this situation. Um, I mean, my life's gone in a completely different direction. Like I said, we'll make the best of it. But there are things now that, like, my kids will not grow up with their grandparents. We used to see Mm -hmm. my mum and dad twice a week. We'd live around the corner from them. My parents have paid a huge price so that we could be set free, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Our parents penalty will continue well beyond the time that we've been forgotten I don't I mean my family like all of us our our um our lives have been affected permanently yeah Mm. yeah I also think as far as like never wanting this to happen again unless we truly like get all the stories out there and there is like a true understanding that this is put into context then it will happen again yeah. The next crisis there is. Yeah. I, like you said, I hope there is some kind of a reckoning and some kind of a um, actual, you know, r- real assessment. But I'm, I'm afraid that the government will only ever want to justify what they've already done, which yeah. – and if they're justifying what they've already done, then they'll have to be able to do it again. I mean, personally, I think that what should be in line is a, is a real overhaul about how the <clears throat> federation works because there's been – some real failures on in terms of Australia operating like every state is a different country um you know my brother-in-law who's a uh, he works in the travel industry sent me this like meme basically saying you can't travel to the red places green places you can so from from New South Wales you know you could come to Paris um but you can't go to Brisbane (laughs) like it's just Mm. actually stupid it's Mm. it's become illogical so much of this has been illogical we um we took the kids one of the ways that I was finally able to reunite my family was to take them to America for three months so we homeschooled them over there like it's been full-on and when we came back um two of the kids had COVID and you know oh like the horror uh one of them couldn't smell stuff and that was it you know other than that we didn't even know that they had it until they had their test um we when he tested positive, I felt like the Gestapo was coming for us because they mm. basically said, sit still in one hour, you'll be, you know, extracted <laughs> to a health hotel and um, and you should see. Like they had, they, they were going to take my kid on his own because he's 15. I said, no, like I'd like to stay with him. I had to sign away that I understood the risks of being in contact with my COVID positive child. Um then the family was split in two because they didn't want the non-COVID kids to mix with the COVID. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, like 
they'd been burping on each other an hour before and now, you know, oh and they came in like their full hazmats. We were taken out like a back door. But this is the clincher for me. We weren't allowed to carry our, uh, we weren't allowed to roll our suitcases because the wheels could infect the floor of the car park. That was actually said to us. I was, I looked at them and my, my kid looked at me and went, is this legit? I was like, just shut up and do it, man, because I'm about to, I'm about to punch someone. So we had to pick up our suitcases because we couldn't allow the wheels to touch the ground in this filthy car park. I don't know how many people lick the floor of the car park behind the Hilton, you know, but um, this, and I just thought I'm carrying the suitcase and I've just thought this is a new level of crazy. But why I point that out is because Everybody that was part of this moving us operation obviously believed that this stuff was necessary and that this stuff is is like the stuff to comply with. So to me, I thought, no wonder we're so screwed. Like the level of fear here well, in Australia is out of control, uh, out of control. Mm. Most of the trauma I felt is like apart from the start where things were very scary, no one knew what was going on, but most of the trauma... Most of the trauma I felt is actually that <laughs> I'm just realizing is actually that Australians think Europe is so bad and that there's an apocalypse and yet they're so like, hi, like have fun there. That's the trauma I feel. I still get messages from people saying, how are you living with the restrictions in France? Like they look at France like a Nazi, you know, state pretty much. And how are you coping? And, and meanwhile, we're like in the south of France where I think I've, you know, hardly been asked for my pass and and most things you just walk in and out of we're in the markets we're living our life and um my friends are living if not in lockdown then with the constant threat of lockdown in in brisbane like oh oh there's been a case it's just before the holidays and it's like oh it's just mind-boggling yeah i like i said i've been told you know that i was irresponsible um, I was messaged, you know, by people saying, we can't believe that you would do this to your kids. It's, it's I just had to stop caring at some point. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've heard you refer to yourself as like one of the lucky ones. And it's kind of surprising you would say that after so like, you know, not to talk about money, but it seems like it would have been a crazy, insane experience. Oh, yeah. Um, and then personally leaving your parents and moving across the world, et cetera. Um, so why do you still think of yourself as one of the lucky ones? Uh, because we got out, I suppose, you know, and we even during the pandemic, we were able to see each other a few times. I know people that are still waiting. Um, so I like I want to I want to whinge, you know, but I also think, well, you did get to hug your husband, your kids were reunited once during the and, and it is kind of shit now I'm, yeah now that you pointed out you know it's true that we've been through so much and yet we are actually the lucky ones because there are people still waiting to be reunited and um I'm really really heartbroken for them um we had a number of things that were in place because we were already doing an international lifestyle so you know I had a, a business that I could just pack up and, you know, I work off my laptop. Um, uh, a lot of people haven't had, they don't have this. I mean, it's cost us a lot of money, but at least we had it. I mean, we basically gave up mm. buying a house that we were going to buy, but at least we had some options. 
And I know a lot of people don't have those options. You know, a lot mm. of people would want to move out of Australia right now and I know they can't, um, even mm. if they got given permission, their jobs, their family structure or whatever. Um, but really, um, I don't think any anyone can consider themselves lucky who's been impacted by this situation. Um, we don't even know the full price yet, you know. Uh, and there's a lot of people I want to honour the people that uh, are still waiting. You know, I feel really, really bad for them. How is it now for you that how are your kids feeling being in France? How how are you feeling being in France now? Are you feeling like ready to start a new life there? Are you starting to feel a bit settled? You know, it's like the how example of the the – the main boyfriend again, like you're never quite over it. You're, you're going to have to live with some trauma. Um, and people do, you know, look at my Facebook and go, oh, that's great that you're having a great time now, but there's still trauma from what happened. Um, and there's still a price. We're still separated from our family. Now it's just, we're separated from different people. Um, mm. I, I do feel a, a huge sense of relief I've spent every night for, you know, the last 18 months writing to government, um, you know, posting on things, trying to work on an application, lodging the visas. You know, it's just it's been a full-time job. My parents, when I jump on, you know, face uh, FaceTime or whatever, they say, you literally look younger, you look fresh, you look, like, relieved. And I said to my husband, I just remember now how I was crying every day. You know, I mm. was literally crying every day. Um, I was so bitter, so heartbroken, so confused, under so much stress. Um, there's an emotional, physical, uh, uh, psychological toll that I can't even quantify. So we are looking forward towards the future, but I, I'd very much like, you know, Australia to know that, we none of us uh, are, are just done because New South Wales mm. open. We're all going to carry scars from this. Mm. I'm so glad to hear you. Well, not glad. It's a horrible thing, but <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you use the abusive relationship mm. uh, simile analogy because that's actually something I've used before. Right. <laughs> I, I thought, like, am I being over the top here but it is totally yeah. I mean there's gaslighting involved from yeah. the prime minister there's like mm. you're dependent on them but they're also the ones that are fucking you over yeah you have to look at you have to look at them to save you allow at you. the same time they mm. are the one causing you harm mm. you have no choice because your family is in Australia but to return so you have to have some type of relationship with them yeah mm. it's it's a total yeah. mindfuck. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think that what's so interesting speaking to you for me personally is that you've been in Australia the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like you're yeah. dealing with similar things to mm -hmm. what people stuck outside are, but you've actually been there. So for us and others that are going to have to return home at some point, mm -hmm. what's your what should we prepare for and what's your advice to us? Prepare for no compassion. Because, you know, you, it's even my closest friends don't get it. They don't get it. Mm. Um, and even the ones that are compassionate, the message is like, oh, it's so, so, so 
sorry about your family, but I mean, I guess it was necessary, you know, like, I'm so sorry, like, we had to hit you, but you were bad. You know, like it's literally the mm. so don't prepare for understanding because no one no one gets it. Um, and even the people who kind of get it don't get it. So don't don't um, expect uh, to be reunited because there's nothing to unite yourself to. Australia's very divided right now. You won't be understood. They don't get it. Even my closest mm-hmm. friends justify it. My, I think my mum gets it now, but there was a time where she just kept saying, we're like, we, you know, I know it's really hard for you and Matt, but, you know, it's the right thing by, by all of us. And I was like, just let, how, I just want to leave. How am I mm-hmm. a threat to anyone if I leave? Like, is anyone listening? And that whole like divided thing, I was, my boyfriend is also Australian, but I was saying to him the other day, I'm like, I'm really scared. And he was like, why? I'm like, this was a real opportunity as much as COVID sucks, but it's an opportunity to unite the country and the way that it's been handled by hand, like, giving so much power to the states is like it and by separating us and using us as scapegoats, is it has completely divided the country to mm. a scary degree to the mm. point where you have premiers coming out in actual competition between each other about who's got more, who's who's dying more. Yeah, yeah. And that is yeah. so fucked up. Yeah, uh, statements I thought I'd never hear, like Palaszczuk going, you know, Queensland hospitals for the Queenslanders. Like since when is somebody in Byron Bay not an Australian worthy of, like it's just to me, uh, it's an Australia I never thought I'd see. That's what I mean. Like I think anybody now that the borders are opening, anybody going back, um, brace yourself it's mm. it's not what we thought we left behind yeah is there anything else you want to say before we let you go no I just want to thank you guys I think you're doing an amazing and very very important job and I hope that as Australia begins to open you guys you know continue to do this because um, uh, it's not over for so many people it's not going to be over um, and the reality is any moment they can shut it again it's it's now changed forever so these stories need to continue to be heard I think the way that we're impacted is going to start changing um and I think um that we need to document that transition so thank you so much for what you guys are are doing and for what you've done no thank you you. and also something we didn't even yeah thanks for sharing your story and something we didn't even talk about is like yeah even if New South Wales even if it opens now there's still so many people who Australia has decided on Australians but paid taxes, temporary residents, students, etc., who are still in the same boat. It's a long road mm. ahead. It's a long road. Yeah. yeah. Um, we usually do a thing actually where we say, when I return to Australia, I'm going to go straight to the beach and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> we will return to Australia one day. Um, you know, when I return to Australia, I'm going to hug my mum and, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe actually go visit my dog first. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's my return to Australia probably. What about now that I've left Australia? I Now that I've left Australia, I don't have to ask permission to have my family together. And it's mm. the best. Thank Thanks you so, so much, much Christina. Christina. Thank you guys. You're day. amazing. Thank you for having me. I can hear the And the waves that crash along the shore 
purple sunset between the guns I can hear the surfers call at dawn Someone spreading Vegemite on toast The sound of the magpie Hey